By the end of this podcast, you'll have a greater understanding of the chaos witnessed in City's 4-4 draw with Chelsea and whether the doom and gloom at Old Trafford has been overstated. Welcome to The Knobcast, a podcast giving City and United fans their weekly fix of football analysis and debate with a focus on banter rather than bias. In today's podcast episode, massive eight-goal thriller, Chelsea 4, Man City 4, will be analysing the game itself. What did City do wrong? Conversely, what did Chelsea do right? And what is the wider picture of this game for Manchester City uh, in uh, a title race picture? We'll also be talking about Manchester United's 1-0 win against Luton Town. Um, in form, Man United, are they back? Were they ever gone? Were United fans and rival fans counting them out too soon? Or is it merely a lot of paper over a lot of cracks? We'll be discussing that and more, including viewer questions, including a Rice versus Rodri debate from our Patreon supporters. As always, Man City fan Nobbins, that's me, hello, is joined by Manchester United fan Gasky. hello. Hello, hello. An interesting game to talk about, Gasky. For once, we might actually discuss a City game in depth. Mm, yeah, because normally it's like, oh, City are good, aren't they? Normally it's like City, City beat the team by five goals. Yeah. That happened. And actually, for like two podcasts in a row now, like it's not really despair for Ooh, United. Who'd no. have thought? Well... <laughs> Well, well, we'll discuss that. Well, <laughs> we will get into that. But first of all, as I mentioned at the top, there's only one place to start, and that is Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4. Um, a really mad, hectic game for a number of reasons. It Loads of individual errors from both sides, lots of interesting uh, formations from both sides, interesting pressing structures from both sides sides uh interesting tactically very entertaining as well uh Gasky, how did you sort of see that game as a, as a relative neutral how how, how did you it, think it went it was a, it was a very odd game because usually when you see a four-all draw you go oh you know end-to-end stuff you know you know just great football and stuff it was kind of the opposite it was it was there was moments there was good moments in the game like it was Haaland's second goal i thought was really good football um but it just it shouldn't have been for all. Like it, it, it was more of a one-all game in terms of the quality, but due to just like you said, errors everywhere, and it was a, it was, it was a, it was like the Tottenham Chelsea game. It was just messy. Mm. It was just a complete mess. Not lying, enjoyable to watch. No, not not that type of messy. The other messy. Um, and it was just enjoyable to watch. You know, just to sit and watch a game, we just seen an absolute mess, and you're not being united on the pitch. So it was quite, quite, you know. It was enjoyable in a very weird way. Yeah, entertaining for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. It was very, 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 very open from both sides. And it was just like start start with the lineups actually for Manchester City. Chelsea lined up basically how it how I would have expected them to. Um, but the the main talking point from this game was the fact that Doku started on the left, which is which was a very bold shout. I you know he did have a very good game against Bournemouth, but in general, it's Grealish who plays the big games uh especially if it's away from home you think of old trafford for example and, and the really good performance he put in yeah. there um but docker being trusted to play that um it didn't really go according to plan did it gasky having having no. docker start no he's a, he's very <clears throat> he's very direct docker and he's you, do, you don't control the game with him from a left-hand side compared to with grealish um and i, I mean it kind of rounds it up i mean he, when he got when he got his little card for diving that was, kind of that. His, 
I mean, it kind of rounded up his game. It was like, you know, nothing's going your way and you're trying to create, you know, then you're just trying to cheat the game. Then you're like, you know, you're having a bad game and you kind of result, resulted to that, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's very kind of rounded up his performance. I mean, it, it, that's, that's where probably compare last, you know, last week's podcast where we were like, you know, where, where does he need to improve? Probably, you know, grabbing, grabbing the game by the struggle for your neck and being the game changer. He's, you know, he didn't really look like he was going to be the one to, you know, cause trouble against, you know, bigger teams. So, you know, that was the issue there. And then, like you said, just in defense as well, it was just riddled with errors for both sides, really. Mm, yeah, just, just, just yeah. to stick with Doku for a second. He, yeah. he started well, I thought. Like he got the best of Reese James one or two times, but then mm. from there, uh, you know, James then beat him, you know, one or two times, and he just sort of seemed to fade away. And it was almost like, well, if City aren't going to play the game in order to create these 1v1s with a fullback, which is basically what we stopped doing after like the first five, 10 minutes, then what was the point of having him on the pitch? You might as well just have Grealish on the yeah. pitch at that point. You know, exactly. Like if, if, if uh, Reese James is getting on the pitch constantly, which may have been the reason why he started was Reese James is not going to be there. There's going to be this massive hole behind him. But like you said, you don't benefit his, you know, his pros, which are, you know, running in space. You know, if he, if he could get, you know, if he was behind Reese James, he's, he's in pretty much nearly every time. But like you said, you know, if he doesn't, if they don't benefit from that, or they're not pushing that kind of um, him to play that way, you might as well have Grealish on the pitch who will do offers a lot more than him in the mm-hmm. game. You know, it's similar, you know, him and Foden just bounce off each other really when they're both playing. And I think that that's what they kind of lacked, I would say in the first half, especially. Yeah, it was. Um, so I actually wanted Doku to start because maybe it's because I was being a bit, um, I mean, it deserves a chance. Giddy. I mean, with the squad they've got, it deserves to go. You know, like you've you've just shown what you can do against Bournemouth. Now, where here you go, the big leagues now, big game. What can you do in this match? Yeah, so get, it's worth the chance. Yeah, sure. I, I guess obviously hindsight's a thing. I was getting very giddy after the Bournemouth performance. I said, like, "Yeah, get Doku in." You got, I let him have a go at Reese James. The little uh, obviously hindsight's a thing. Didn't quite work out that way, um, but. It saw, it basically played in, in the same way that Spurs recently played into Chelsea's hands, you know, playing a ridiculously high line, even like when they were down to like nine men. Pep sort of, I think he got it wrong in terms of the tactics. He played into Chelsea's hands because what do City like, Gasky? They like control and being able to mm. keep tabs on the game and play the game their way. What do they not like? They don't like open games and chaotic games where the opposition can like get loads of counterattacks on you, which is exactly, exactly. what Chelsea wanted. Which is, which is exactly, well, like we, like we say all the time, Oli beat Pep how many times doing that. Yeah. It's the answer to beating him and that's what Chelsea have. And, that, and that's really. why, and that's why it really surprised me yeah. that not only, because you can, you can, it's, it wasn't just solely down to the Docker situation, but just in general as well, like we pressed so highly and so aggressively, it was really confusing. And again, Chelsea are, are very good technical players uh, who are very good at evading presses. So it actually turned out that we committed so many players high up the pitch. And then it meant that we had no answer when they quite easily bypass that absurdly yeah. high press. It's something we don't normally do to that degree anyway. And then it just meant that they're, they're really pacey forward players or, you know, players who are really good at dribbling are just, are just on their bikes. It just seemed, it was a very weird, uh, um, what, mm. what, why do you think Pep, because that was obviously a, a direction by Pep to do that. What, why do you think he did do that? Do you think he was just like wanted to catch out Poch or he wanted to try, try something new or he, he thought that was the best thing to yeah. do? I, 
Maybe maybe his way of thinking was like best way to stop them is just to get the ball off them before they can start these counters. But maybe this is this is maybe this is the weakness of Pep. Maybe the weakness is having the players for counter attacking football and getting him getting their team to be more aggressive towards you, and then you get them go around them. Maybe that's the answer, but maybe it's these type of teams when they come out, they set up this counter-attacking football is the way to get past him. Because, you know, a high-press city have never really been a high-press team. Not, really, not, you know, not, not, certainly not to that degree, definitely it's not. Like, from what I've always seen with City, it's always been like unforced errors. You know, they'll push, they'll push teams to make an outrageous pass, which will just be cut out, and then they've got the ball back. That's just the way that City have always been. So it's a bit strange how, they, how you know, they would put them out to kind of, you know, we desperately want the ball back. Mm. you know whereas it's like well no let them have the ball and let them because let's put let's be honest there's not really that much quality further back with Chelsea where they can't really bring you forward as much they have to get it to that midfield and you sit on the midfield and then they haven't got anywhere to go so it's a bit strange how they, he basically played, like you said, played into their hands. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Poch couldn't believe his luck. He was like, "Oh, brilliant! You know, they're going to let me unleash the pace of Raheem Sterling and Jackson, etc. On, on this really aggressive team. That's fine. Uh, yeah. he, he must have loved that." Um, and then it meant that poor Rodri, who will get onto like individual performances later, who didn't have a good game, but he definitely wasn't helped by the fact that. It was this really high pressing team. So we basically pressed like five players. So Mendo Rotary was asked to do an impossible job of trying yeah. to lock up that entire center of the pitch on his own because Bernard, Bernardo didn't drop deep, really. He, he was committing to the press. Alvarez didn't drop deep. So it meant that it was like Rodri versus like three players at a time. It was like Palmer, Sterling, and, and, yeah. uh, and pa- uh, Palmer, Sterling, and Gallagher. See, it's funny you should say that because this is. This is kind of the same argument I have with um, with Casemiro at United, where Ten Hag's trying to get them to play this high press, and he just leaves your defensive midfielder completely exposed, especially when you haven't got a mobile one. Like Rodri isn't mobile compared to other you know mm. other players. They're, they're very static and they're very good at just cutting out passes. As soon as you have, like you said, have players running at him, you're screwed. He's just going to bring them down. But even if you had the mo- even do. if you had the most mobile, I know oh, yeah. I know it's not a strict defensive midfielder, but Kante, for example, not even Kante would have been able stop to free. lock can't stop up free. two, yeah. fine, but three, you've got no chance. So it, it was it was an impossible task to begin with. Uh, and yeah, it just seemed like borderline suicidal to, yeah. to, to as you say, Rodri isn't the most mobile. It's probably his biggest weakness, but it doesn't matter who was in there. It, it, you know, 2011 Sergio Busquets or, or whatever, or you know, the best version of Fernandinho or Makaleli or whatever, or Kante, as I say, um, they ain't going to be able to, to, lock, that. To, to lock them yeah. all up. So it just seemed like a really mad uh, situation. And I'd be staggered if if we see that again, to be fair. It turned into a basketball game and that did cause... So those systemic issues did in turn help create individual issues. However, the performance of Ruben Diaz and Gabardiol and Rodri and Walker as well, can't just be explained by the system because take the system out in terms of the individual moments, they were also shocking, weren't they? Exactly. Like when, like the, like the, um, the second goal, wasn't it? Uh, when Vardial's error, but it, to me, that error is not one to go and bash him about. It's, it's one of the million. Like, Like if you put him in that situation again, he stops that nine times out of 10. It's got past him, but that, but like you say, it rounds up the performance. You know, when you're when you're on the back foot and you're struggling, you're gonna make these errors. Mm. And then I don't know what Diaz is thinking in the 96 minute. To, oh, oh, I'm gonna try it, and block it, this. It, it's like you're trying oh. to block a shot, which he's good at, which he's good at. But 
why are you taking the man as well? It gave me shades you know? of, I'm sure you remember, uh, Real Madrid's Champions League second leg, uh, couple, uh, not last season, the season before. It's yeah. like it, extra time. And he, just, he does it then. Yeah. He just like goes in on Benzema, I think like he, it is. Yeah, oh, like he's, he's so, it's weird because he's like, you see, you see Diaz is this very level-headed centre-back who's, you know, he's he's right there, he yeah, knows what he's doing. His decision-making is so good. That's yeah, the annoying so thing. Then, then why is he throwing himself, it's like he panics or he's throwing himself in front of it, but it's not even that, he's come flying across from his side of the defence to do it. And it's like, but let them shoot or just block the shot. You don't have to go and take the man. Yeah, so. exactly. Like, because, you know, no... no disrespect to Broya Brozier but you know he's not really associated with being like the most clinical striker Chelsea have so you could probably like do enough to put him off just by standing in his way to be fair to him though he he kind of dummied it in a way oh no he he controlled it well he dummied it he did quite well there but then he stuck his foot it's like if you're going to put the shot you're at least slightly where you're not going to catch the man yeah or just 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 stand your ground just stand there and then force him to put to a really good set to to do a really good shot and and also maybe your keeper might the keeper might save anyway or he might blaze it over like you said though, like I guess, I guess in the ninety six minute, you've got to take into account who's shooting. Like you said, yeah, you know, you go, oh, it's it's someone who's not. He's just come back from injury. He's not played many minutes. Mm-hmm. If he puts it top corner, fair place, yeah, you know, type thing. So yeah, it was just. Uh, but even to get into that position, like you know, we, we've no, got yeah. we've somehow got back into the game four three up, and then we've committed so many bodies forwards okay, for no reason. So it means that that yeah. that ball by Sterling is so it it brushes us unmarked for some reason. No idea where all the bodies are. And then it, it leads that thing. So yeah, so there were yeah. systemic issues. There were individual issues. Uh, Diaz probably the main culprit there because uh, at least Gavardio's second half was a lot better. Like first half, it was just tragic. Diaz was just bad uh, the whole game. And that's not just down to uh, the, the system. That's down to him just having a, what I think is his worst game in a City shirt. I don't think that's a, an unfair thing no. to say. It just, just didn't look at all game. Like, like, I, like I was saying to you earlier, you, when you when you've won like league titles and every year you've been there and you've been one of the best players, you get you you build up this bank of you can have credits. bad games. Mm. You got these credits, so you can have a bad game. Put it this way: if he hasn't been he hasn't been a row, Pep will just drop him. Yeah. Simple as that. It doesn't matter. So, but you can have a bad game. No, no one's played perfect. I'm sorry, but Vidic is one of the best centre backs ever. Grace the game. And as soon as Torres is in front of him, you think he was you think he was he shot himself. Yeah, you yeah. know exactly. You're like. What what is going on? You forget you forget who he is. Yeah, it just every player just has this like just odd time. Mm. It, it just happens. It was just this like it almost seemed like this perfect storm. Like we talked about City, um, Chelsea. Chelsea were good actually. You know, they, I yeah. think they. I think it's fair to say they played a lot better than most people thought they were going to play. At yeah. the same time, City played worse than they than a lot of people thought they were going to play. And then you couple that with all like these individual errors, it creates this perfect storm of City continuing four goals. Would you like to know the last time City conceded four goals, uh, Gasky? Was that Pep's first season against... So a bit more recent... Against, no, Leicester, Leicester against yes. Vardy. With Yes, at the Etihad. Yeah. Before, yes. that was the last game before Ruben Diaz signed for the club, actually. So, <laughs> and that was in 2020. So three years, more than three years ago was the last time we conceded you know, at least four goals in a game. So... That's like the definition of an outlier. We'll, we'll talk later about, you know, like, you know, is yeah. this like a big issue or or, or whatever? Um, but yeah, so, so Chelsea played well. As I say, City didn't play uh, as well as people thought, uh, people would think. Uh, uh, like one sentence thing. We both agree it wasn't a penalty. Like Hall and probably fouls Kukure before no, Kukure I mean, fouls I him. Mean, yeah, it was a, it was just a much to nothing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So not a penalty yeah. for me. Um, I, I thought a draw was a fair result. I think that both teams created a similar no. number of decent chances. I think a draw was fair. 
What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I do. No, I, th- I think a fair draw. I think Ch- Chelsea were, like, if you look at it from the season, Chelsea have been, below, I say, below par from what they should be getting. They're getting better. City have probably been below par as well from where they should be in terms of, you know, like, like the odd performance has been a bit weird. But, again, a draw is probably fair. You know, I don't think any team battered the other or in a tough point where they deserve the win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was just a mental scoreline, I think, more than anything. I mean, it could have easily been one all, and you would have fun about that but mm-hmm. yeah one of those yeah and uh as a very entertaining you know Chelsea did well against City but at the same time they did also concede four goals um so it's not it's not a, it's not like City were abhorrent that they still created quite a lot but, but yeah that's what I mean like you've you put you put in four past City you should you need to be winning the game to beat them mm-hmm. you can't be conceding four at the same time yeah exactly it was it was very open so, so yeah, obviously we can credit Chelsea we can talk about City but at the same time it was probably about right. And at the end of the day, both teams did concede uh, four goals. Um, uh, I had some very wise words. Oh, yes. Um, so John Stones wasn't available. He was a big miss. As good as Akanji was defensively, it was very clear our, our build-up wasn't quite as good. I know we created loads of chances, but just in general, our build-up was much easier yeah. to uh, stifle. Could, could that have been, because could that have been, also been the cause of this aggressive... Um, into you know way of pressing oh, the lack of that to to person that. next to Rodri, yeah, Maybe. was they haven't got that extra man there to fill in next to Rodri with Stones who normally does it. So let's just try and win it further up. Maybe we shouldn't work. Potentially, potentially that's an maybe, interesting thought. Maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is the answer. Maybe it is how important Stones is now and has mm. been the last year. Yeah, well, as I said, Akanji is fine, and he did. He was asked to step up into that Stones role for for most of the game, but yeah. it's clearly not his game. He did it fine. But it's clearly not his game. You lose so much. Um, yeah. And I've sort of we, we've actually spoken before, Gasky, about out the role of Alvarez. Um, yeah. I've now I think decided that for the big games anyway, the midfield experiment must end because he's, you, he's, you tell he, me it's any- interesting. Sorry, go on. It, it's very interesting. He, he shows he is capable, but yeah, like you say, he's not good enough at creating not in the biggest games to, definitely to do that. not yeah. in the big games he's not to you know putting it putting a pa- putting a ball past a Bournemouth defence or a Burnley defence is very much different than putting it past a Chelsea defence you know it's it, to play in that position is a lot more difficult and know? that's not his fault by the way he's a striker no, just, but, yeah he's a striker he's, he's you're not it's not like you're not saying he's like oh he's keeping as good as Kevin De Bruyne no way near hmm. it's just that it's an interesting way to get him to where for him to play because he could, like you say, it improves his game elsewhere. You know, it can improve your game with getting the assists in when you're playing up front, mm-hmm. but not in these big games and stuff, especially when you're pressing it. You put someone who is more comfortable there. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the main, my main gripe is Phil Foden is right there. And Phil Foden, yeah. best player, by the way. I don't know where you thought Gasky. I thought it was the best no, well, fantasy the, yeah, player, the city player at yeah, least. Definitely. Um, you might you might want to argue maybe not best player on, on the pitch you might give that to a Chelsea player I probably would give it to Foden but that, that's just me certainly yeah. the best City player um, and, but again just shoved onto the right where he's not as yeah. impactful or effective still did some good work but again you, you, you're it's so wasted there when you've got Alvarez in the middle and in these games I love Alvarez he offers nothing he's not a midfielder yeah. so he can't do the things that a midfielder would do and it just means that it's it stifles us from that perspective as well, especially when you don't have yeah. stones in the middle, so you've got even less control and authority on the game. You pop in a striker in midfield, just seems a very unusual because he keeps it's persisting a, with it. it, it Alvarez risky, is almost yeah. Alvarez is almost like one of the the first names on the team sheet, and I don't get why 
were accommodating it for these big games. We saw it at the Emirates as well. He offered nothing. Do, 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 do you see what I mean? I'm not being harsh, yeah. am I? No, no, no. He doesn't. He's. It's a weird one. Like he's, he's, you know, he's been, he's been, he's been brilliant for City the last year, and he's, you know, out coming out of the blue, and I mean, being this, you know, young lad who's been linked with all these big clubs, and he's, and he's been brilliant. But you've, already, he's already been chucked to what is he, twenty years old to go and move from twenty three, sorry, to move from striker where he's known to score all these goals to go and play at ten, kind of. Mm. And it's it's a big it's a big ask, but then to also like you say to do it in such massive games against teams who are ten times better than other clubs that he's playing against, mm. it's just the ends of vanishing, and it could be you could be bad against for his morale, could bad for you know confidence could drop. It's just like dump him, dump him on the right if you want to play him. You know, get him somewhere out wide where he can go and do his attacking part because clearly he's not going to do the defensive part as well, or just don't shoehorn him in the team if, if he doesn't but, fit yeah. don't don't play him we've got exactly, a big squad exactly um, exactly yeah. bring him on especially when especially when De Bruyne comes back like it's, this is like a genuine question by some City fans like oh who do you drop when De Bruyne comes back do you drop anyone else? you know do you even you drop sure anyone you drop of course you do yeah, yeah. exactly uh, look I, again I love Alvarez this isn't a slander against him but it's Kevin De Bruyne and he De, Alvarez is, is I feel like his deficiencies are being covered up by the fact that he is getting goals and assists and that's great he's a great ball striker he's yeah, a striker Exa- exactly but, yeah, you but know. in the games where even at Old Trafford he was probably our worst attacker so certainly um, yesterday uh, 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 yesterday against Chelsea our worst attacker the rest of the attack was fine like uh, well Doc we've spoken about you know Foden was brilliant Haaland was very good Bernardo was good going forwards Alfred's like mainly the odd one out because he's not really doing anything um, Yeah. so that's the thing um so, and the last thing I saw far I want to say on this cast, unless you've got anything else to say after this, um, just on the Chelsea thing, um, re- narratives are fun and storylines are fun for Sky, etc. Yeah. Palmer was given man of the match. Right. He was... Right. Can I just say now as well, I personally, I would say if it was going to be a Chelsea man of the match, which they're always going to give because City won the treble, City they seem to be, mm. Chelsea stopped the winning game, I would personally give it to Gallagher because I thought he was very good. Yeah, I'd give it Gallagher or Sterling. Yes, either I would one of them. To a bear. The, the only, they gave it Palmer because, like you said, it creates, it creates headlines. And, be, and, because creates he, and because he happened to score a penalty. He did, like, to, let's be fair, I, I, don't, I couldn't remember him doing a lot on the pitch, to be honest. He was fine. He was. He, he was. He was. Fine. He was. A, he was a six point five out of ten. Yeah, but but he wasn't doing what Sterling was doing. He wasn't doing what Gallagher was doing. Like th- these are two players who were played much better than him, and even even Reece James as well. You can say uh, d- did more. So yeah, it's it's and like it's even seeing on Twitter like people going, oh yeah, he's like he, he was even better than Foden. It's like it's just so. I, I, I get it. I get it. It's just boring. Even even the, the commentary is so lazy. Like they're saying, "Oh yeah, the the Matt, he's Man City through and through." The kid's a United fan. I like Cole Palmer, but he's a Man United he was, fan. Yeah, no, I've seen like there's been there's been pictures of him in United kits yeah. and stuff. It's like, so, it, yeah, I says it, it just because he, he that's where he played at. Like you, I think people need to remember that. I think I think I, I, I think it was like a, a documentary I watched. The United talking about how many academy players actually come through. And the fact that they have to have qualified mental health experts helping them because what is it? A tiny percentage get through. Mm. So the amount of fan, you might be supporting United, but they'll go and play for City because it's the only way you're going to be able to play professional football. You got you got to have to find which academy needs you. Yeah, exactly. Or wants you more. It's a, you know you can support them as much as you want, but that's the risk you're going to, have to take. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, just because he's played for City and he, he probably he loves City, 
but supporting the team is completely different. Exactly. He's, yeah, he's United fan so, at the end of the day. Um, and then, and then, they, and then they were also creating the narrative that bloody Jackson told him to go and celebrate in front of the City fans. He's not going to do that. No, like, yeah. he's just ridiculous. They chat some crap, yeah. don't they? I, I didn't really have do. some City fans did have an issue with the Sterling and Palmer quote celebrations. I thought they were very but, but, mu- muted but, but, and I'll absolutely never, fine. I'll never, exactly. I'll never ever understand this. Said, Look, a player wants to leave a team because he wants a different thing. Because I, I, I think I read I read some uh, quotes about Guardiola saying like he like even a couple of years ago Palmer said he wanted to leave. He told him Maris is leaving. You'll have a chance. And he still said no. I still want to go. So let him go. Simple mm. as that. I says. If he wants to go and celebrate, let him celebrate. His team's just scored a goal. Yeah, it says you, you can argue. You can argue about the whole badge kissing and all that rubbish. Okay, is that over the top? Probably. Like, look, you've just left that club a year ago, and you're kissing badges. Mm. It's like clearly you got no loyal that kind of loyalty thing. But just to go and cheer, you've just scored a 96 minute. What you want him to do? Just go put your hand up. Sorry, I scored. Yeah, exactly. No, he's going to celebrate a goal. Yeah, and, of course and, he is. And even though he celebrated, even though he celebrated, it was a very muted thing. So yeah. it's like, and what did they expect? With Sterling? Do you expect him in six years' time if he's still playing with Chelsea? Never to celebrate against it. But again, no. even his celebration was really chilled. Yeah. Out. He even like did like the calm thing. So it's it's yeah. not like he popped off and went mental. I'm, I'm sorry, but cheering and jumping in the air, going yes, is really still quite muted. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember. I remember. I think he was Van Persie, right? He. I remember when he went to the Emirates, he scored and he put, he said, no, I'm not celebrating. He got booed the whole game mm. and he made the decision, the reverse fixture at Old Trafford, you're just going to go and celebrate like a nutter. Yeah, why not? You're being booed. Why not? They don't care. Yeah, exactly. So why not? Yeah, I think the, the only times where it's it's like you must not celebrate is if it's, like, you know, Lampard when he scored against Chelsea. If Aguero, you yeah. know, if, you know, if Aguero didn't have to retire and let's say he scored against yeah. City, I would be really angry if he celebrated. No. But those those you, are very yeah. extreme you, situations. Exactly. Like if you've put, if you've won everything at a club and you've been there for a decade, then it's like, why would you celebrate? Mm. You know? And then obviously you get the odd player who's just a knobhead and you'll, you'll crop anyone and he doesn't care who he's played for. But mm. 90% of the time, you know, the, the player would never do it. Absolute final thing before we move on to Man United. Uh, Gasket, sorry, I know this has been a City-centric one, but uh, spoilers, there's not too much to talk about with the United game. <laughs> um, is this a, a blueprint to defeat Manchester City? Are City defensively frail? Is the Premier League title race been blown wide open? And is that, is are players like Rodri, etc., actually overrated frauds? No. No, moving on. <laughs> no, it's it's... It's not like I said. Like I said before, Oli's beaten Pep plenty of times in counter-attacking football. It says you know there's always a way to beat teams, and and you know next week whoever, whoever they play next time, you know could try to do the same thing and they'll lose six nil. Uh, sometimes it just lines up, and it lined up for Chelsea. So yeah, it's very. And, sorry, and let me say every year. Let me say every year before Christmas. You don't know what City's point total is going to be, but you know after Christmas they're not going to lose. So. And they've done it for the last four or five years, so... Yeah, and look, we play Liverpool next. Tricky game, obviously. But what are the chances that City's individuals have that bad a game all at the same time? Uh, yeah. It's it's very, very right. unlikely exactly. to happen. And I, can't, and I can't imagine Doku starting in that game. I can't imagine, you know, Vardial being left on his own, pretty much. If we get Salah, ain't going to happen. Um, you know, and like you said, Rodri won't be left on his own. And Diaz won't against... play like a mentalist. Exactly. So, it, are they, they, were they considered four again? Doubt it. Yeah. 
this is, uh, again, that stat, that hasn't happened in uh, three years. City conceding that many goals. It's not the norm. In fact, uh, th- we've conceded 12 goals. This so it actually means we've now conceded more than Liverpool Arsenal. We conceded 12 goals, but again, a third, a third of, of them, a third third of them happened that game. yesterday. Yeah. Like this is not indicative of this poor defensive display is not indicative of City's defenders and of their yeah. season. So I know people, lots of people like to overreact. It's obviously a big thing when City drop points. If you're like, you know, you're an Arsenal fan, Liverpool fan, because it's obviously a big occasion because City don't normally do that, to be fair. But at the same time, I feel like we're doing to reel it in a bit in terms of like what it yeah, means chill. in the grand, in the wider picture, in the in the grand. Exactly. Scale what what we're we're twelve games in, like chill. yeah. And De Bruyne, like, he be coming back as well, lest we forget. And Stones, yes. he be coming back, lest we forget. Maybe they'll get injured again. Who knows? But they be coming back uh, as well. So it is a thing. Gasky, do you have anything else to say on that four four thriller, or do you think we covered it no. pretty well? No, it was a, it was a. A very nice Super Sunday, I would say. A nice Super Sunday. And an extra nice gas because your team won. Yeah, I already, I already had to watch that drip and Hooray. then they won. So <laughs> I'm starting to feel I'm starting to sound very negative now, you know, considering Manchester winning a lot of games. United <laughs> are the most informed team in the Premier League. They are higher in the table than Newcastle, who everyone likes a lot. So you know, you know, when we've been t- saying how it's been, you know, not that good. Are we talking out of our arse? Are you actually playing really well? No, the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm going to be brutally honest, right? United aren't playing well. They're not. But I'll I'll be I'll be positive, Polly, for a bit. They are they are getting points on the board, right? Which was the concern. They're beating the teams they should beat. They're there thereabouts, which is where they need to be. The injury the injury you know, ridden constantly across the pitch, you know, all these, all these club other teams getting protection where United don't get that protection with injuries is ridiculous. I've seen Trippi having arguments with the fans talking about injuries. They get protection. United don't. United have got bloody, the second string defense, put it that way. That's what they're using. Mm. And they're winning the games. And I think that's kind of where I'm staying positive. Like they're all injured. Hopefully over Christmas, they can get back fit, you know, plenty of matches to get match fit. And hopefully they can push on. Again, they played Luton. I didn't expect Luton to create a lot. No. But I didn't expect United, I think, after 20 minutes to have 92% possession, I think it was, or something stupid. They should have been about 3-0 at half-time. The goal is a massive goal drought, which is concerning. One goal scored by United forwards in the Premier League. Yes, yes. And it is very concerning. The top goal scorer is McTominay, I think. And it is worrying. You know... Is that just bad luck? It, I think in the, I felt in the first half, the Luton game, it was just going to be one of these, oh, a keeper told up at Old Trafford, never heard of him, turns out to be the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. I thought it was just going to be one of them again. Because because like, like the save against, the save against, uh, the, I think it was the point like one from Hoyland in the first half. He had to improvise. The ball had come up at him. Bound, you know, it was like, I'm going to have to use my knee or something. And the keeper saved it. It was unlucky. Um, it's just, I don't know, like, it goes, it goes too slow. Mm. The, the whole build-up, they'll have the ball. It'll go too slow. It'll get to it'll get to Rashford, who needs to be dropped, by the way, because he doesn't even look like he cares. He just stands sure. about. Uh, it gets to it gets to. I, mean, I can't remember how many times he did. I think he did it ten times in the game. Maguire across field ball, perfectly to Ganacho to run at him. They do it. They don't do it enough. You know, he shouldn't be passing around the back for a bit and then go and do that pass. And then go. You need to do it more often to get them tired. Mm. And it just it's just too slow, and then it gets all the fudge. They get a they get a goal, and then that's when Luton decide to start playing, which every team would do. 
we'll have a go. Yeah. And then they should have, you should have counted then. I thought Mount had a great game. Mount came off the bench. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought he was, he was what exactly what the midfield needed, which was legs, a bit of pressing. And yeah, not much else I supposed to say about it, to be honest. It just it should have been, it should have been, it could have literally, we could have a completely different conversation if they won 5 0, which is what they should yeah. have done. I guess my, my only sort of like so. t- main takeaway from it was United seemed to, so I, I know, I know that United lost against Copenhagen in weird circumstances. However, up until the red card, they were actually playing some good football. They were very good. Now, they were, they, that, that game against Copenhagen, sorry, they played how they have played pretty much nearly every game this season where they play that first 20 minutes really, really well. But this time they took the lead and they were 2-0 up and they looked comfortable and you were like, oh, they're going to batter him here. Mm-hmm. And then whatever opinion is on that red card, just completely changed the whole game. And then the whole defense crumbled. Yeah. The whole defensively, they just, just because they haven't got that person there who grabs them all together and sorts them out. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just, it was just one of them. Like it, it was just the whole thing was a mess. So as I say that, 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 that first few before the red card, United playing some good football, really good. Now, yeah. I thought that would have been like almost like a blueprint to take into the next game for like a full game or whatever. But what I thought about the Luton game is they seem to go back to what we what we saw against Fulham, you know, uh, uh, you know, and basically every other game where where they where where they go more direct. Now, yeah. is that a little bit disappointing? Because did you think that maybe um, that was a, a <sighs> stepping stone or, or you turn the corner or is it like... It, for me, it was a bit of both because I felt in a way they went a bit more direct because Luton played a bit of a, obviously a low block. And I think it was a bit different because Copenhagen were going for it and they were creating gaps. But it was just, you can, they can play the way they wanted to play. Like, um... I've been distracted by a cat, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, going extra slow. But it just it just takes too long to build anything because when you when you're playing Scott McTominay in defensive midfield, who isn't gonna play the big pass, he's always gonna pass it sideways. It's gonna take you forever to build an attack. Like you'll when you've got when you've got like 82% possession, you expect to have a shot every other minute mm. or have an opportunity. It was like every five minutes because it was just taking too long. Yeah. It was a an odd one, an odd one. I agree yeah. with your Rashford's take that we've talked about how Rashford shouldn't be sold. That's mad. However, you can't just, doesn't matter how, if De Bruyne was like putting, dropping stinker after stinker after stinker after stinker after stinker, then it comes a point where you've got to drop him for the good of the team yeah. and for the good of the player as well um, to try to protect them. Ten Hag already came out saying that obviously he, Rashford's not happy and he's not happy with his performances. So it, yeah. it sounds like we're at a point where potentially he's just going to go, sorry mate, you're on bench. Mm-hmm. And he's not, he's not scared to do that. He's done it with Varane. Uh, there seems to be a rift between those two players. Like, you know, well, John, Johnny Evans has become the preferred uh, well, option. Well, well, Varane got left on the bench for Lindelof and he came on. So it was like, well, can't be that much of a rift really. But end of the day, the, the team, need, for me, Ten Hag's hardest job is just getting the team playing football. And if that means players who are having bad performances get dropped or don't suit how he wants them to play, drop them. doesn't matter what your name is because there's too many times where players, these big names have been allowed to do what they want. Mm. That needs to go. And that needs to go over anything. Even if that means, I know, I know we said early in the season not to sell Rashford, but if a team comes, if a team comes with a mental bid, you snap their arm off really and be like, we need, we need, if he doesn't sort himself out. Yeah. yeah, We need to draw the line. Mm-hmm. Same with same with most players though. Even if like a club wanted to go and bid hundred million for Bruno, you'd be like in the edge. You'd be like, do you know what though? 
do, do we draw the line under it and start again? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, you know, if Sir Jim came in, I wouldn't blame him to just do it because it kind of just, it kind of makes sense to just to do that because he needs to be in. Yeah. As much as I, as much as I love having players like Bruno in the team, I don't think anyone deserves to have protection at the moment. No, definitely not. So, definitely not. Um, but hey, you are the most informed team. And yes. where are you in the table? Sixth, fifth? Uh, six, six, but there is a bit of a gap. There is a gap. But hey, it's four points from the team above. So, but hey, it's uh, maybe it's not as bad as we thought, or I mean, maybe they've, it's got, just... they've got favourable fixtures coming up, though. I think they've only got. I think they've got Chelsea in the 9th of December. I think that's the next like reasonable game. Mm. Really. There we go. So maybe it's a turning point for United, or be. maybe, or maybe it was because it was Luton. Um, probably, probably the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say on United Gasky before we move on to our um, Patreon supporter questions? No, not thoughts? much else to say. Really, it was a, it was a dead game. To be fair, and nope. yeah, I mean they got the points. Sure. Well, let's talk about. Well, w- w- sorry, w- one of the questions with the patrons about one of your best performers recently, Harry Maguire. So we'll, we'll kick off with. That one. Uh, these are. This is the knob gas section. This is where our beautiful Patreon supporters uh, get to submit questions and opinions for us to react to. If you guys want to get involved, if you if you enjoy the podcast, you want to help support the channel, and you want to get some perks in addition to supporting us, um, as I say, by submitting your questions, by get, taking part in our top five list, etc., then the Patreon link is in the show notes and video description of all our podcasts. You can join for three pounds a month as a podcast ultra. Any support is appreciated. Um, Yeah, Pim, who is a United fan, asks, has Harry Maguire shown enough to be uh, deserving of an England call-up with recent performances? Now, yes, I think, to be fair. Uh, Well, let's let's answer this twice. One, you get called up anyway. Doesn't make well, a difference. Yeah. He could he could have had a broken leg and he still get called up. Yes, <laughs> but two, I would say on his performances, he does deserve to say like, yeah, he deserves the call up. Um, I I'm not a huge fan of Harry Maguire. Same because I still because I think he's still mediocre. I don't think he's people treated him and said he was crap. He's not crap. He's just very 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 mediocre. He's, he's not good enough to play for United. He's probably like he's he, he's probably was playing for about the team he should have been playing for in Leicester where, when yeah. they were finishing up in the table. Were, yeah. And I would say, I would say now potentially if you dumped, even if maybe pushing it a bit, but even if you dumped him in Newcastle's defense, I think he'd be all right. No, he probably would because, because he suits like teams. The reason why he's playing so well for, you know, United when they've gone to a more, you know, hoofball system yeah. is because he flourishes in that sort of thing. Ask him to be, you know, to oh. go to come play for, you know, Spurs or, or City might be a different question. Ask him exactly. Like he's he's what he's one of the best at playing that long ball, but a crossfield long ball. He's very good at it. But yeah, exactly. When you want him to actually play modern football, he can't do it, and that's the biggest issue for me. Like he's played well his last five games. They've they've played low blocks in most of these matches, so he works in straight. In, he's worked straight to him. It's maybe it's one of the reasons why Ten Hag is playing this lot of this football because it's benefits is all the defenders can do. Mm. So maybe that's the reason why because Lindelof isn't bad at it either. Um, but yeah, he's he's not been too bad, and he's been he's been when needed. And defensively, he's not been too bad either. He's been he's not made any many errors. Yeah, that I can remember. He, you know, nothing's led to a goal anyway. He's definitely playing enough and playing well enough to just to actually justify yeah. England selection this time. Right? Yeah, it's not one of these. Oh, he's picked him again. Actually, you know what? Out of all the centre backs, really for England who were fit, he's probably been the best one. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Really. So. 
he should be called up. And then that's the, this is the first time really in a long time where he's been called up for performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so Southgate doesn't actually have to answer any questions on it yeah, at that time. Uh, exactly. KX asks, what's your favourite song? Ooh. I've no idea. I don't even know who that's, my favourite band that's is. That's a tough, that is a very difficult question to answer. I don't think I, I well, I don't have, oh, well, what's God. one of your favourite songs then? Because we can't pick a favourite. Oh, that's mad. I like Together in Electric Dreams, Human League. Side, side. Um, I like some. Oh, I like Erasure. You could put me on the stop. Erasure, Respect. That's a good one. You put me on the. Uh, I like on the spot Blink there. 182. Green yeah, Day. I like Busted. Give me a song you like, Gaskey. <laughs> this is. Oh, you put me on the spot. I can't even think of a song. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind the weekend. Weekend's all right. Um, so, blinding Lights. Blinding Lights. Ah, oh, there you go. Like that. There we go. Uh, good stuff. Right. Uh, Ed asks, who's a player you feel has flopped so far this season? One from your side and one in general. Uh, I don't think any mm. City players have flopped. So, I mean, um, I mean in terms of like, I'm assuming we're talking about new signings. Uh, if, I would, if we're yeah, I would say, flop, I would say new signings. I don't uh, think any of our new signings have flopped. Um, the problem is I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing them play enough because they haven't been bloody playing. No, one in general. I, I, would have to, I would have to say Rashford based on last season. I know it's not new signing, but based yeah. on bagging 30 goals last season to literally do nothing this season, it's hard to go against that. I'd maybe go, in terms of like really high profile ones, maybe Havertz because he seems to have caused a lot of midfield imbalance and loads of people can't decide what, what he should be doing at I, Arsenal. I'm still shocked by that transfer. So maybe him? Like, to go from this, this next best German player to 130 million in transfers later and what? Mm. Well, you know yeah uh, I can't think of anyone else Maybe. I'm just trying to think of any other big signings um, um, can't really think of that Chelsea many. signed a lot who have they signed yeah well they signed Lavia but he's not played can I say they've had know. the worst debut ever but he's been alright since really yeah no, um, yeah there's not too many you might say you no. know Sanchez at Chelsea Raya at Arsenal they flopped they've been pretty bad oh yeah overall we're you know like the Sanchez one like it was always a bit of an average keeper but the Raya one still makes no sense to me either. That's two transfers at Arsenal, which just don't make sense. For me, yeah, I, I agree. Squ- very, very weird, weird ones. Very weird squad building. Uh, squad building. Uh, Will asks, uh, last question here. Um, Rice versus Rodri, but purely defensively. Everyone knows Rodri is better as a defensive midfielder in terms of the whole package. But is Rice a better defensive midfielder off the ball? Now... Before I even answer this, uh, I, I went on some like you know uh, streams and such after the game, and like the amount of disrespect Rodri is getting is absolutely insane. Some people saying he's not even a defensive midfielder. Some people saying that he's a fraud. Some people saying you need to sell your stocks in him because he's actually shit. Um, he is the best defensive midfielder in the world. Pipe down, you mentalists. Yeah, who are saying this? Uh, I, one bad. He's been City's best player this season. Um, quite frankly, and him having a bad game yeah. uh, will not change that, matey. So that really annoyed me, uh, Gasky. Uh, may I just may I just say that before we commence yes. with this question? Yes. Uh, so annoyed. Get out of your system. Um, it was just annoying. I can't believe I was arguing with these people. It's like, are you for real? Anyway, um, it's an interesting question because Rice has been playing well this season. Yeah. I would say that actually, Rice has been playing well this season, but right, even Rice is. I. I thought this before and Rice has even said it himself he, he said I'm doing what I did at West Ham the only difference is people are watching me more because I'm at Arsenal and I think that's probably a fair thing to say I don't think Rice has gone to another level 
No. I think what we're seeing is what we saw at West Ham. Um, we were talking about mobility before. Rice is absolutely a more mobile defensive midfielder. He's certainly yeah. one more focused on the defensive side of the game. And this is where I think I'm, I'm sort of going to cop out a little bit because it's almost impossible. So, so, so first of all, from like a, I mean, I know Will's question is only about defense, defensive aspects, but certainly on the ball, it's not a debate. It's Rodri, obviously. Yeah. But there's more, there is more to defending than being mobile and doing interceptions and da, 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 da. Yeah. I would, so I would argue Rice is definitely better at that side of the game, but I would argue that Rodri is more intelligent off the ball yeah. and he's better at he picking up the better. right areas. And yeah. I believe he probably reads it better in terms of a mental aspect. Yeah. I think, I think for me, the biggest issue people have and the, I think they forget is City are a lot better than Arsenal. So City will have possession a lot more, which means that Rodri does less defensive work because he doesn't need to because City, because City have the ball. So because Rice is doing more and people then look at it and go, oh, look how good defensive he is. Yeah, he is. But that's because Arsenal got the ball less. Simple as that. You know, if Arsenal had the ball more, he wouldn't need to do much as that. And I think, yeah, like you say, though, I think, you know, obviously he puts more, he puts more tackles in uh, Rice and he's, he, he's not bad at interceptions. But like you say, Rodri can read the game so well, he doesn't need to be in the positions to bring someone down. He's in the position to cut the pass out or he's in the position where someone else will cut the pass out and he'll go and build the play up, which is what he's better at doing. So yeah. I think people hear defensive midfielder and you hear the word defensive and you think tackles, but there's miles more to it than that in that position. Yeah. If I had to sort of like summarize it, I'd say Rice is a better active defender, but yeah. Rodri's probably a better passive defender. It's one of those, things, like if you, yeah, if you, if you dumped Rodri into a team that faces a lot more shots and a lot more attack coming at them, he would, I think he would struggle more than Rice would. Yes, I agree. Because of his type of football. But overall, as that, as that holding midfield player, I think Rodri's head of Rice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think that's fair. You, you could definitely have a debate. You can have that conversation if you want about the defensive side of things. But yeah. I think most people would focus on the active side, and I don't even necessarily disagree with that. The mobility does play a lot into that, yeah. but there is more to defending than defending. <laughs> that's a no, really yeah. stupid thing no, to say. Putting, but no, they're putting there's more to it than putting a foot in. Exactly. Yeah. You it, know, there's more to defending than direct defensive actions. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think that Rice definitely has the advantage there, but Rodri has the advantage in other assets and, and there are other facets yeah. uh, there. And as Will says, Rodri is definitely better as a whole package. Defensive midfielder, uh, but no disrespect to Rice, who is fantastic, as we all know. Yeah, and we get to be lucky he's English. Exactly, yes. <laughs> exactly. Is, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, Gasky, that that's the podcast. Uh, it is. If you're if you've uh, got all this way, thank you so much for listening to uh, our podcast. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters as well for choosing to support us uh, directly on the old Patreon. Uh, if you've not already followed the podcast, what you need to do, guys, is follow the podcast so you always stay updated for whenever we release these. If you are a City fan, if you're a United fan, and even if you're not, maybe you just want to hear what is going on with the two Manchester clubs. But obviously, there is a focus on City and United fans trying to give a more uh, objective view on both clubs from both sides of the city. Um, I have been nobbins. I've enjoyed it. Have you, Gasky, first of all, before I I sign have, I have enjoyed it, as always. Good. You know? Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, there's some wise words, some wise chat today. 
There was, there was, and for once, United win and City don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. Is that the first time that's? Is that the first time this season? season? Yeah, I think so. Did, think that, so. did, did United lose when Arsenal, when City beat when City lost to Arsenal? Can't remember what happened there. God knows. Maybe, maybe we're both angry. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe. Oh yeah, I think maybe, maybe we did both lose. I don't know. Anyway, make sure to follow the podcast, guys. I've been Nobbins. I've been Gasky, and we'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye.